This is the scene of the crime. A crime of passion, filmed in a way you have never seen before. And as no one else would dare attempt, but the screen's master of suspense, the producer-director who shocked the world with Psycho. This is the apartment of a man named Jeffries, a news photographer whose beat used to be the world. Right now, his world has shrunk down to the size of this window. He's been watching the people across the way. Nobody seems to pull their blinds during a hot spell like this. He knows a lot about them by now. Too much, perhaps. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 36. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1954 movie Rear Window. So, Charles, tell us about Rear Window. Okay, so Rear Window is about a photographer who has broken his leg and has been stuck at home for six weeks. He can't do anything except look out his rear window uh, at his neighbors and, you know, wonder what they're up to and think about potential marriage, I guess. He notices some fishy stuff going on between a husband and his wife in one of the neighboring apartments. Begins to suspect that the husband has murdered his wife because a lot of fishy things happen. Starts pulling his girlfriend and caretaker and like a detective friend into all this mess um, because he he grows more and more con more and more convinced that uh, a murder has happened. It like really comes to a head when his girlfriend like goes into the guy's apartment to investigate, and they like send him a note and all that. And then it turns out in the end that the guy really did kill his wife, I guess. And like the guy comes over and tries to kill uh, Jimmy Stewart's character. It ends with the murderer getting hauled away and everybody's okay, um, but Jimmy Stewart has broken his other leg and is presumably stuck at home for much longer. To solve another crime. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, this was my pick. It was. Uh, I landed on, on Rear Window. Um, it's just an important movie. Like, it's one you need to see. High on the list of Hitchcock's best movies, it's an iconic movie from him, an iconic, a lot of, you know, important moments in this movie that are constantly referenced culturally. Mm -hmm. I think it's just part of a full cinematic diet um, and you just need to have seen it at one point and I think it's really good I like this movie a lot I think uh, there's like 10 Hitchcock films that fit that bill yes <laughs> I just described like most Hitchcock of his filmography yeah. yeah it's a good movie that's important that's referenced a lot well okay <laughs> yeah he's that's, really that's Vertigo that's The Birds that's Man Who Knew Too Much that's Psycho Psycho that's Rear Window that's Strangers on a Train. Dylan like, for Murder. Yep, yeah, uh, North by Northwest. So that's like eight movies right there. Uh, like, all fit that description. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but this is one of them. Um, and so I think we uh, we need to have watched it at some point. And I'm glad we did. I think it's a good movie. It was yeah. still good this time around. Um, it had been a little while since I've seen it, and it still held up for me really well. Um, what do you think about it, Charles? I really liked it. I thought you it was great. Um, Super. I don't know how to describe what I like about Hitchcock's style. But something about it just pulled me right in just immediately. And I, I had the same curiosity that Stuart had yep. about, you know, what the neighbors were up to, what the stories yep. were and all that. Uh, every scene, you know, was so beautifully shot. Yeah. Uh, that's something I noted about Vertigo as well. There's something about, you know, the use of color, the set decoration yep. um, and just the general cinematography that um, yeah. I mean, looks great. Yeah, he gets a lot out of the composition in this movie mm -hmm. for a camera that it's situated in one room pretty much the entire time. Yeah. Right, like, and he, he manages to arrange 
both within that room, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly and whoever, in interesting ways, but also looking out of the room. Like, he, he does a lot with a, one, essentially one set for the entire mm. run of the movie, um, which is very impressive. Uh, and yep. really kind of the, the exhibit A in like his economy of direction and economy of storytelling. Uh, so, yeah, it's great in that sense. Um, the, I mean, the, one of the big ideas in this movie is is obviously observation, um, and one of the, I think when you see these like audience critique movies, because it's clearly a metaphor for watching film, right? Like you're mm -hmm. sitting in a space and observing people and like crying into their lives. It's voyeuristic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but the interesting thing about this movie is it's kind of a defense of voyeurism, right? Because if it weren't for Jimmy <laughs> He's Stewart, rewarded for it. right? If it weren't for Jimmy Stewart, the guy would have gotten away with killing his wife, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? So if this movie were interested in critiquing our behavior as we watch film, like he wouldn't have done it at the end, right? Like the twist would be that oh, this guy was actually just doing something normal, and his wife yeah. shows up at the end. <laughs> but like, it seems like Hitchcock's point here is kind of. Yeah, we should be looking at our neighbors suspiciously, and we should be peering into their windows, <laughs> and doing that is a good thing, and we should be doing it more. <laughs> and, like, that's a weird idea. Wasn't, wasn't this when when the Red Scare was? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting it's point. It's like the height of the Red Scare. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I had not put that together. I didn't but. think about that until you mentioned it that way. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's, right. uh, I don't know if that was Hitchcock's point, but it, uh, I think it's valid. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's interesting. It's also important that Jimmy Stewart's a photographer. Absolutely. For that. Yes. Because it, it's not only that he's watching, but he's watching through a, a lens yeah. or lenses. Which is what Hitchcock's doing, right? Like, uh -huh. as he's directing the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and in a sense, what we're doing when we're watching the movie, because it's when he, when he saw it in 1955, it was being projected through the lens of a uh, projector. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so there's a lot of movie doubling here. I mean, even the the windows themselves look like they little frame screens. It like a they frame it like window a film. Yep, and especially for the murderer, right? Because he has all those long windows that are yeah. rectangular, um, like a movie screen. He's looking out of a rectangular window in his own apartment. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of movie metaphor and film watching metaphor uh, in in Rear Window. Yeah, it's. Amazing how well it's easy easy it is to follow the multiple storylines of no the kidding. neighbor. What, I mean, just uh, a triumph of screenwriting. Yeah, like, just it, I mean, and directing, but still, like that and stuff is there's not a lot. They're very distinctive. They have diff different like looks. Yep. Most yep. of I mean, they're exaggerated for a reason, yeah. right? Um, and it only like really broke for me when. Uh, <laughs> Um, Miss Lonely Hearts goes to commit suicide. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it's like comically over the top suicide. Yeah. Like yeah. she puts like a, a mountain of pills on the table. Bright red pills. And then she, <laughs> yeah. she takes out a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, she starts writing a, a suicide note. Yeah. It's a little cartoonish. Yeah. yeah it was and then she gets absurd. saved by the guy's beautiful music. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing I liked a lot about this movie is the use of diegetic sound. Like how a lot of the soundtrack um, came from the within the film. Well, that's right. the entire soundtrack. I think yeah, all the music was played by the the songwriter or someone playing a record. Yeah, I think you, you're probably right. I hadn't yeah. I, I hadn't watched for it, but like halfway through, I noticed like this is all within I, the, the I movie. I feel like I noticed that um, unless yeah. there was randomly like a real soundtrack I didn't notice. Yeah, but yeah, I, I like that a lot. The use it, it made it, it feel more like this connected space. I yeah. think that like these people are. Just isolated on their little little boxes, but they're interacting with one another, and yeah. they like are creating a community with it, with each other while still having their own, you know, unit. 
So um, part of that is like the masterful set design. Yeah, so no they constructed the set on a soundstage yeah. in in LA, most likely. Yes. And uh, it it translates so well for the story. Yeah, seriously. And but looks believable too. Yeah. 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 It, yeah. I think there's a lot of sets like that were a lot of movies that were made and sets that were constructed in this time that are supposed to be in New York and like very clearly aren't. And here, I mean, you can tell that it's a set, but not easily, right? Like, it, it does plausibly look like Greenwich Village. And, There's so much activity, yeah. Yeah. too, and yeah. it must have been a nightmare. To it felt very alive. Film. Like, every yeah. time there was always, like, people walking by the tiny little gap mm-hmm. of the city you could see. Mm-hmm. You would need to time that all out. And yeah. there were a lot of, like, long shots without edits. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're coordinating those passers by but also there's not like, just people like cars too and cars yeah. vehicles yeah and then you're correlating that with the people in the apartments because that's all happening in a single shot so yeah. like this person is doing something and then after that this person and they to need be to, in the middle of some other thing they need to yeah. know like who's being focused on yeah as well yeah. so yeah so you need to be able to sig- signal that to the actors and like when it's right they had a lot of those yeah. quote-unquote like one shot scenes where yeah. you go between the different neighbors mm-hmm. doing their different things so they would have to like coordinate when they started doing the different actions yeah so like this yeah. as, as a feat of production like this movie is is a, a masterwork yeah i mean these are full-size yeah. apartments that they yeah that they built, that they built. yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're fitting. that like look to the eye realistic so. yeah well they look realistic and they look distinct from one another right mm-hmm. like because you have the one with the people that have the balcony um, that they're sleeping on you have the Ms. torso that has like this kitchen studio style apartment with a, a, a its own balcony made yeah. out of wood you have the guy with like the floor to ceiling windows mm-hmm. upstairs like they all are distinct from one another like so it, it's not just marked by who's in them but it's also the space itself is, is individual um, so it's easier to follow like who's in what one and what they're doing and what their traits are it's based on a short story. It's based on a short story. The film is based on a short story. The space is based on a, an actual space. Yeah, a, an actual space yeah. on Christopher Street here yep. in New oh. York. Mm-hmm. And I think I've walked by it. Like, oh, really? I think I know cool. which one it is. Okay, yeah. I have not sought it out, but that's neat. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was in the village. I did not know where. So that's that might be worth looking at. Yeah, I think because of my trains, I actually think I go by it kind of regularly. So I. I have a good idea of like which place it is. Okay, and so. it does. It's it's not as doesn't have as much depth as the set does, sure. but it, yeah, it it is laid out in an interesting and familiar way. Huh. Yeah. So, so yeah, other New York listeners, go check that out because that is that yeah. we need to see. <laughs> I, 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 I think the Wikipedia article of the movie says the address. Okay, because uh, I was looking at the page last that night. That is worth investigating. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like that, and that he gets so much out of that. Just that one set, because the entire movie—that's the only place it is. The whole thing, well, and his apartment, but yeah, but I mean yeah. that, yeah, I guess that's a distinct set, but yeah, I, I think it's very intentionally not going anywhere else. Um, like I, I didn't read the script cover to cover, but I looked at it the beginning of it briefly, and like yeah. so the script calls for some shots when he has that phone call at the beginning mm-hmm. um, to be in the office of the guy calling him, mm-hmm. and like that gets cut. So it's all in Jimmy Stewart's apartment. Yeah, that would be. Bad. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't. It, I think it'd it makes be so sense. unnecessary. I mean, you feel like you're trapped in there with him. Right, right, exactly. Uh, so it, it encourages this, you know, obsessive, yeah. uh, claustrophobic feeling. But it does refer to like a larger world. Like yeah. she says, where she lives in the city, his mm-hmm. girlfriend. Yeah, she's up on sixty third street. She's up on sixty third street, and then he's like a world, world yeah. worldly guy as a photographer yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, yeah, yeah so you get the sense that it is not just an isolated world but he is isolating himself from a world that exists yeah outside um, which has effectively done um, and you also get the sense of like how hard it is for him to do that because he's 
uh, you know, he travels the world. Like that's his purpose. Like that's why he he has this job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you get the the sense that he can't do that. So he's like creating the adventure in his own space as well as he can, um, and then it turns out to be right <laughs> yeah. about it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's effective characterization. That, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of okay. So there's there's a bunch of like ripoffs of this movie. Yes, um, the one with Shia LaBeouf. Suburbia or Disturbia. Disturbia, like the Disturbia is a different movie. Yes, uh, <laughs> Disturbia. Yeah, um, and then there's a few others. Um, the one that I can think of is the the Bone Collector with okay. Samuel Jackson. Okay, I'm aware, but huh. I have not read it or seen it. Yeah, he's like um, so Samuel Jackson's like a quadriplegic, and okay. he's like helping another detective like solve this like serial killer case. Got it. But none of these films have the patients that Hitchcock does because yeah. they all end up leaving the apartment okay. eventually. Okay. I think the Shia LaBeouf one, he's on like uh, house arrest mm-hmm. and he ends up like breaking the house arrest to like stop yeah. the murder. Yeah, okay. And then the bone collector like has other characters and like scenes that they follow. Okay. So, yeah. Well, and yeah. Hitchcock kind of like forces himself. He cuts off that avenue, right? Because he, the guy has a broken leg. He can't get around, right? Like yeah. He, he well, from he could the, easily have focused on the girlfriend and where she went. Yeah, that's true. If he wanted to. Yeah, and he didn't. Yeah, yeah that, that is. Yeah, the, so that, that restraint is challenging because yeah. you have to you have to keep the audience's attention. Yeah, and right. he does. Right. Well, and he does yeah. it, and he still does enough work to build up the world, right? Like we don't get to any mention of a potential murder until like almost halfway through the movie. Really, like it takes some time to get there. And we're situating these characters in this space. We're de- developing who the various characters are in this courtyard. Like, like he, he, it, patience is exactly the right word. Like, he finds, he, he lays the groundwork before he gets to what that groundwork is for. Yeah. Um, and so he can set the tone and the mood and themes first before mm-hmm. moving the narrative forward. He knows what's important in this movie. Yeah, it's yeah. it's impressive. Yeah. And he does it without any violence really like there's when he falls out the window at the end but yeah. we never see a murder on screen we never see any blood at all yeah it's all we, implied it's all implied yeah like none of none of it is like this movie was rated pg <laughs> and it probably would be again if it were made today like there's nothing in here that that really uh mm-hmm. shocks the senses it's all felt it's all the the suspense of it which uh again very difficult to do and not something he does in every movie he's not afraid of the gore like he made psycho right he made the birds um, so, yeah, just well, a lot of to keep you uncertain about what happened, right? In what in what in this movie? In this movie, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, he has a reason to not do it, narratively speaking, but it, yeah. he and could. They, have. they they talk about a lot of graphic violence. <laughs> they, they bring it up. That, that is for it. Yeah, I love the nurse. Who's yeah, like she's, she's quick to go far with it. Yeah, yeah. she's but, a she's a great actor in general. Like she's been in a lot of really good movies. She was in All About Eve. Um, she was in this movie. She was in The Misfits. Yeah, um, there's another um, Birdman of Alcatraz. She was in like she was r- one of those really great character actors of uh, of the era. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thelma Paris, I want to say something like that. Um, but yeah, she was phenomenal here. Yeah, and she she does a good job of like transmitting like a working class person. Yeah, yeah, um, well, and just like, through like her accent and like she's not as like res- restrained as Jimmy Stewart and his girlfriend. Yeah, Thelma Ritter. Yeah. I've got the wrong the Thelma name. Ritter. Thelma Ritter. Cool. Um, but yeah, you're right. And, and But it doesn't... Yeah, she's not as restrained, but she's not like a, 
an oafish character or anything or a buffoonish character. No, she's smart, but yeah. she's just like, you know, she's a she's a blue collar person. Right, she's exactly. Street wise. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like she's seen it, seen it all in New York, and right, and yeah. he, and she, she's not like a lot older than them, but she's older than them, and she like plays with that experience well, yeah, um, in a way that's compelling. Um, so yeah, I like that character a lot. Um, she's just great in most things that she's in. So speaking of age, um, <laughs> again, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's there's a uh, a lot of like older men with very young women in this movie. Yeah, well, in Hitchcock's entire yeah. filmography, right? yeah. like we talked about this vertigo, and it's true here. But there there are like four relationships that we need to see on screen, or five yeah. maybe, and yeah. three of them are like much older men with much younger women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's if you count uh, Miss Torso and all of her. Uh, callers as Shooters. as a single relationship. Yeah, <laughs> it's there. Yeah, there's like three or four guys there. And the murderer and his wife, the salesman. Yeah, La- La- Lars Lars Mall or something. It, Lars uh, Thorn. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's like clearly a lot older than his wife. Yeah, and yeah. then Jimmy Stewart's girlfriend is like. 40 years younger than him. Yeah, Grace Kelly. Oh, God. Grace Kelly was really young. It, yeah. it looked kind of off. The yeah, in time. the same way that it, not exactly the same Stuart way. Stuart had, like, straight gray hair. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And he might have, like, gone gray early, but he looks ancient. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this before Vertigo, I think. Yeah. 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 And um, so, because he suddenly looks older in Vertigo, and, like, the age gap, the age gap kind of makes more sense in Vertigo. Um, here, it doesn't make that much sense <laughs> narratively speaking and like grace kelly's devotion to that character also doesn't make that much sense like he's yeah. awful to her he's really mean to her yeah yeah and like even if he does have relatively good reasons and i think he kind of does like they have different lifestyles and they're yeah. not gonna work together okay that makes sense but he's a really pretentious dick about it yeah but he's an asshole about it and she just takes it <laughs> like and i don't understand why like I, I, yeah what a burden it is to have grace kelly chasing after you yeah, yeah. <laughs> who's like independently successful right she yep. has a like a good fashion career yeah she's gorgeous yep. yep and she's like very faithful to jimmy stewart for inexplicably yeah. <laughs> yeah and wants to like settle down with him yeah, again inexplicably and the, the movie pushes the marriage thing like really hard yeah i mean she yeah. literally like grace kelly in real life ends up marrying a prince so like yeah. she had good options <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, she, and she uh yeah, old man Stewart. She was yeah, yeah. That's that's what you wanted. Fighting her time jet for. Setter. Yeah, photographer guy. Um, yeah, so I don't understand that at all. But I think that's just Hitchcock being Hitchcock. His reasons for like not wanting her don't make sense either, because he's like, don't like you wouldn't travel well. But clearly, she's like very worldly and yeah. like knows her yeah. way around the city and like right like, like he, he thinks that she can't rough it well. travels in like fashion circles and right he, he thinks that she won't be able to like handle the, the the violence of it and the hardship of it which i can i think that can make sense like if you're used to living on park avenue and 63rd street like <laughs> sure okay like if you're sleeping in a tent in, pa- in pakistan like that might be a difficult time um but he still, yeah, he doesn't have to be such a jerk about it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that he keeps talking sense. about it like he does like the greatest job possible in the world. Like, oh, I'm so good because I travel across the world. Have you seen all these countries and <laughs> yeah. all these things? No, but I have. Right, yeah. right. And she just, oh god, kinda, I hated it. <laughs> he just, yeah. he just takes it. He's like, yes, I, I want more of this, please. And yeah, so. Uh, what an angel Grace Kelly is. Yeah. So yeah, again, the movie pushes like the marriage line like 
really hard. Right. Well, and the like, happy ending is that they're together and settled down, and she has apparently acquiesced to and, whatever um, it is. Uh, Miss Torso, the dancer, yeah. like her husband or boyfriend, like comes home. Yeah. Yeah, like this, thing. like dopey looking, uh, like, like army guy. Army, yeah, army dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what the story is there because she was clearly like palling around with three or four different guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the other couple uh, depicted is the newlyweds that we don't see that much. We're like of. instantly unhappy. Yes, yeah, he was not super into it. Um, I think that's an interesting thing that Hitchcock's doing here is that he's showing so many different stages of a relationship, like through these different uh, mm-hmm. couples or single people. Mm-hmm. So you have the Miss Torso character who is single and kind of you know playing the field. Yeah, you have same thing with the guy upstairs, the musician upstairs. He's you know single and tortured about it you have the newlyweds that aren't that happy you have the couple that are sleeping on the balcony who have kind of like settled into this nice you know middle ground of a marriage and then the end of the marriage with the murder um or the end of the of a life when if you end up alone with (laughs) miss lonely art um so i think that 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 is intentional. I think it's implied that she's already had a failed relationship. Yeah, yeah. That is some sort. something didn't work out. And you have like the rape attempt on her, which was like uh, super creepy. Um, but played, I guess, played well for 1955. Uh, so I think that that's an interesting move on on, uh, on Hitchcock's part to like show like these different stages and like a somewhat cynical perspective on interpersonal relationships because uh, none of them are looking that great. Yeah. A pretty misogynist one too. Well, yeah, yeah. It's nineteen fifty four. It's nineteen fifty four, and it's Hitchcock. They yeah. they have a lot of like lines about how women always nag or that kind of yeah stuff. yeah. yeah they they kind of like okay the murder. because uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, well they 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 don't say that it's okay, but they're like there's a reason it makes sense. Like <laughs> yeah. they're, like for them yeah. like he's not just some psycho. The, the yeah, nagging yeah. wife getting <laughs> murdered like yeah. it wasn't. Legal, right? <laughs> but you get it. Yeah, right? yeah. We've all thought about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you, that is definitely. A Although thing. they do spend the movie trying to bust the guy, so I'll give him credit for that. Right, and they do get him in the end, and he, you know, gives him the tour of the East River. Um, so <laughs> they're, they're more like concerned about the the murder and not the the, the treatment of his wife. Yeah. yeah, it's really like about like the the thrill of solving it, right? Yeah, I guess so. Then it is about you know justice <laughs> yeah which like is that. perfect right because the the wife is like turned into like dismembered object right she's right ceases to be a person she does and yeah. she's she's um becomes personified by luggage yeah right? that yeah the husband um, is like carrying around and she's her bag and jewelry right right and yeah and then she's physically carried out in boxes mm-hmm. yeah yeah she becomes a burden yeah yeah for the last time i guess yeah. Um, God. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, there's a lot of um, iconic shots in this one. Uh, I but the one I'm thinking of now is when they're looking at, looking across the courtyard and the lights are off in the murderous apartment, but you can see the cigar, uh-huh. and like that's just a really great shot. Like there, he he does so much with this space in that respect. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that 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 moment um, really stands out for me. Uh, so again, it's this use of of color that we've observed in his other movies. That was um, pretty sweet, yeah. Yeah, and, and the same here. Uh, and then the other uh, great shot is just looking at Jimmy Stewart looking, right? Like, I think that there's a lot of those moments. 
yeah, yeah, I think we saw this in Vertigo as well, but yeah. you would see the reflection of the courtyard in the lens, lens of the yeah. binoculars and of the camera mm -hmm. when yeah. they're looking through. So you see like multiple perspectives. Right, yeah. right. And it's, it's emphasizing that what you're seeing is being projected, what you're seeing is being mediated yes. by film, by lenses, by, you know, light, um, by the actors. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of like making that very literal by putting the image on the object that is being used to produce the image. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, very uh, almost avant-garde <laughs> of, uh, of Hitchcock. Yeah. I also like that he kept going in and out of the dark shadow when yeah. he was trying to like lay low. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you got use of, of light and shadow again. Uh, and ultimately he uses the flash to save himself. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah, so murder. The, so is, again, which gets back to the idea that voyeurism for Hitchcock is a good thing, <laughs> right? Like the tool that he's using to watch is also the tool that saves him and eventually defeats the murderer. Yeah. Um, not an accident. Like he, he mm -hmm. certainly intended that. Um, so yeah, this is in a lot of ways a defense of his very prying mode of filmmaking. Yeah. Um, and our very prying mode of film watching. Have you seen Peeping Tom? No, I've not. I think. Uh, again, I'm like afraid to look this up. I'll look it up on my phone, but okay. um, I I think it might come right before this film, and it feels like Hitchcock is actually like stealing elements of Peeping Tom. Okay, I mean that would make sense. A lot of these big directors yeah. would do that because like Kubrick would do it, um, Hitchcock did it. Like they would see stuff around them, and they would have the power to manipulate the film industry such that mm -hmm. their movie becomes the iconic one, even yeah. if it shows up later. Well, they they do it the best. I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it, is that they're just good at what they're doing, but another part of it is that they are in the system and they know how to work the system. Yeah. And oh, no, Peeping Tom comes, like, six years later. But okay. there's, a, like, a lot of crossover with the notion of, like, voyeurism, obviously, mm -hmm. but also, like, the camera and the lens and, like, looking. Yeah, I was the, um, I was reminded of, because I watched it recently, of Blow Up uh, by uh, Michael Antonioni. Um, have you seen that? I'm almost certain you yeah, have never heard of okay. that. I have it. <laughs> um, so blow up. Sorry, is... Charles, you haven't seen Peeping Tom. No. <laughs> okay. I'm not really good. <laughs> really, really good. Um, the premise of blow up is that it's this, you know, like fashion photographer, artsy guy, kind of a jerk, um, is taking pictures of people in a park in London without their consent. Mm -hmm. And, like, they're trying to get him to stop, and he gets a bunch of pictures of this, like, angry woman, like, telling him to stop taking pictures of, of him and, and her, of her with, like, her secret lover. Mm -hmm. And he does it anyway, and he, it turns out that he accidentally shoots what he thinks may be a murder in the background of one of the pictures. <laughs> and so he's, he's like, spends Plot a lot, thickens. yeah, a lot of the movie, like, trying to, so, like, manipulate these pictures such that he can more clearly identify what's going on with the background and, like, identify this murder. Um, so it's a, a lot about um, how observation and, and like, the, the role of art in interacting with the real world and, like, mm -hmm. how they change and mediate one another. Um, so it's a difficult movie to watch because it's Antonioni and he doesn't care about making his movies entertaining or mm -hmm. impulsive. Um, but it's interesting. It's certainly interesting. Um, it was remade in a movie called Blow Out, uh, starring uh, Travolta. Uh, that that, that right. was made in like the 90s, which I actually haven't seen yet. Um, but the original one is good too, and shades of, of Rear Window there. 
right on. So yeah, this movie's influential. Like there's very, 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 very yeah. influential. Yeah. yeah, I think this we can add this one to the list of things that The Simpsons has referenced. I, I feel like this has. I come think up. Any, they have enough episodes that they've referenced a lot. Yeah, yeah. literally yeah. any Hitchcock film has it, probably been referenced by. Yes. Wait, so what in Rear Window gets referenced? Because I feel like I see references from a lot of Hitchcock movies, but I don't remember ones that are specifically Rear Window. There's an episode where Bart breaks his leg. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, they get a pool in the backyard and yep. Bart breaks his leg and he has to kind of watch everybody <laughs> play in the pool. pool. Yeah. And he observes um, Flanders and he thinks Flanders has killed his wife. Okay. Yeah. Uh, ironically, Mod does end up dead later on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Homer kills Mod. <laughs> yes. No, the, the, the t-shirt cannon does. The t-shirt cannon does. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, um, but is Rear Window referenced elsewhere? A bunch. Just, like, I can't think of any specific ex- I mean, You mean in, in other, all films? The other films? Yeah. yeah. Or like just in general, in culture? I mean, beyond the like specific remakes that we've talked about already, the Shia Buff one and the Bone Collector. Mm-hmm. Um uh, nothing springs to mind. I know that they, it is, though. Like, it, this okay. is... There was a list on Wikipedia of, like, references in shows and other films. Oh, there and you it's go. long. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm sure there's a TV yeah. Trump article. check that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's long, including, like, crappy murder shows from, like, all the decades have, like, referenced it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It, and it's an easy thing to reference, right? Because really you need a guy that's bound at his home that's, you know, looking out and sees something interesting, right? Sure. Like, that's... It's easy to insert that into a lot of stories. Right, broad um, concept. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not going to knock any show or movie or anything for for drawing on this as inspiration. This is a good place to <laughs> to be drawing from. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a, yeah, it's still a from the best. It, what was that? Still from the best. Still from the best. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what do we think of? We talked about her a little bit, but what do we think of Grace Kelly here? Uh, she's a big name. Like Grace, mm-hmm. Grace Kelly is someone we know. Um, famously gorgeous. Famously made few movies because she married a prince. Um, <laughs> and she gets an entrance here, right? Like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like this is Hitchcock at like glorifying blondes, um, as he's ought to do in, in a very quintessential way. Um, so how we feel about her performance? I I think she's good, and she like yeah. she other than her relationship with Jimmy Stewart, like has a lot of agency. Yeah, like, she's yeah. willing to put herself at risk, mm-hmm. and she, actually does. She doesn't yeah. like listen to Jimmy Stewart. She like yeah. sets her own rules as to yeah. how she operates. Yeah, like when she is up on the balcony and goes from the balcony into the window in yeah. her high heels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's a risky maneuver. Yeah, uh, a bit of a Jurassic World moment. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Although she at least has a reason for having high heels on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, she, I, I liked her a lot. I liked her character. Um, I think she was very convincingly like a strong character. Yeah. And very convincingly clever and smart as well. Like she sold that she really knew everything she was saying. Yeah. All the things she, that she was able to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really liked the moment when um, she is hooked on the mystery. Mm-hmm. Like where she's trying to talk him out of it, and then like at the at the last minute she they see. Wait a second. Wait a second, and she's like, "Well, tell me more about. Tell me everything you know." About. What did she see at that point? I forget exactly what it is she saw that changed her mind. This is the purse, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that was it. And she just like, she knew how women use purses. And yeah, there. Yeah, there was that moment. I feel like there was an earlier one. Yeah, where, there might have been an earlier. Where one. she where she is actually like into it because when she's talking about the purse with that anonymous detective character. Um, I think that's later on, and like at that point, she's like trying to persuade him of it. Like she's already yeah. bought it into yeah, the story at that true. point. But there's another one where she's like literally mid sentence telling Jimmy Stewart, "No, you're yeah. a crazy person." And then I she like remember. She, she's like a light come on or a light go off or something like that. Was it when he's cleaning the tools or like right after? Yes, that was. I think yeah. that was it. 
Yeah, she's, he, she sees him with the yeah. saw on the something I mean, like she that. Didn't, I know she didn't see him with the saw. That was just Jimmy Stewart. Okay. Or he like told her after that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what like sparked her. Yeah, but, there, yeah, yeah. but there's a great moment from Grace yeah, Kelly where she's really like, it all like. Yeah, she's like she on switches sides, board at that point. Right, like there's just a light switch and she's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was nice. Same thing. And the, the maid, or not the maid, the nurse has, the, nurse, a, yeah. has the same moment. Uh, the the yeah, she's more like drawn in because of like the lurid details. Yes, like, yeah, sort she's... of like New York Post style yeah. interest <laughs> in it. Yeah. Yes, it's a little bit more tawdry. For yeah. Her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the, both of those moments that you see these people like gradually getting pulled pulled in because that's yeah. that's the experience of the audience too. Because our we're listening to the detective, right, and we see this guy who's like kind of a nut and like has been cooped up for a long time. <laughs> And like it's rejecting Grace Kelly for some reason. Yeah. Um, so we're like, so maybe, he's clearly an insane person. Right. Exactly. So like maybe yeah. there's something wrong here. Um, but it, yeah. there comes a point. I probably it's different for different people. You're like, actually, maybe he's onto something. Like maybe there's a real crime here. See, I wanted to bring up that I am not sure how I feel about how the movie actually ended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if I. I don't think I'm actually happy that the murderer, like that it was actually a murder. Yeah. Because. So much of the movie seems to imply that you don't really know what's going on in a person's life just from looking through their window because mm-hmm. there's so much of their life that you're not seeing. There's so much that's happening that you're not aware of. You don't even know what they're actually really doing in their window, even if it seems obvious that something is off. There's many explanations for what could be happening. There's many reasons why this guy could have left. In addition, there was that one scene where Jimmy Stewart is shown to be asleep and you see um, the guy leave his apartment with someone yep. that was a woman. And yep. so... The whole time you're figuring that there's some dramatic irony that you have seen, like, you know, something innocuous happen and that Jimmy Stewart was just making a big deal out of nothing. Yeah. Right. And of course, I went through the movie thinking it's very obvious that he's not right. And so that means he's probably (laughs) actually right. Um, So I wasn't really surprised when the murderer turned out to be right. But I also felt a little disappointed. It felt like it was going against all the themes and like things a movie was trying to tell us right well i think this is a yeah, i'm sorry go ahead the film acknowledges that it's unlikely like the detective friend like comes in and says like it's a one in ten thousand chance yeah. or something they hit it yeah point zero one percent chance yeah um, i think that this is a good example of uh the ending being the conceit right because yeah. right it the ending isn't necessarily the most important part of a movie, but it's the po- most important part of the messaging of most movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of those movies where what the film is saying, like what the what the the lesson is, changes entirely because of the last like ten minutes, right? Like that really articulates what yeah. Hitchcock has been about this whole time. Um, and th- I think that's an important lesson in terms of just basic media literacy, like being able to understand that that it, just because the movie looks like it's saying thing A all along if it's suddenly saying not a at the end that's the message mm-hmm. right and that's that's what's going on in this movie like they're they're saying that oh maybe you shouldn't be peering into your your neighbor's windows maybe you should be respecting your privacy maybe what you see and think you understand is not what is actually going on and then at the last minute saying well maybe that's exactly what's going on and you should be looking at your <laughs> in your uh, neighbor's windows so i think that that is a good takeaway here, but I agree uh, in, lo- in large part, at least with the surprise element of it. I thought mm-hmm. when I first watched it that 
Stuart was a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess my displeasure with the ending might just be my like innate disagreement with that message. Then yeah, and and uh, it is a troubling message. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I I agree. There's a yeah, lot. Like, you should be a creepy player. Right. Like there's a <laughs> there's a lot there that you. you should probably have a problem with it yeah. in a lot of contexts. But I think if we situate it um, in the context of Alfred Hitchcock being a filmmaker and us watching a movie and what this movie is a, really, really is, is a metaphor for watching film. In that sense, it's kind of about the power of the camera to pierce the veil of privacy, right? Uh -huh. to, to get through to what you cannot see otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, and that that is a powerful tool to many ends, yeah, um, and that we should be respecting that and using it, and that it it can serve something something good and powerful. Um, so yeah, it's a it's it, it is potentially complex messaging at the end of this movie, <laughs> and there is certainly a, a valid reading that says, well, no, maybe we shouldn't be listening to what this movie says. Yeah, no, yes, particularly with the like hot neighbor that he's like yeah that is kind of peering in on that, that, is that reminded me of you showed me a video about the Kuleshov effect that Hitchcock made where um, they had the, pic the scene of him smiling intercut with looking at a cute child and looking at a scantily clad female yes, and yeah. completely changes context yep. even though it's the same scene right and they had one of those scenes where the detective guy is looking at the ballerina and then it cuts back to him and he's got this like creepy looking smile. Yes. <laughs> yeah. video. did that very annoyingly. Yeah. 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 I was like, hey, look at these like <laughs> old creepy guys. Right. Well, I, I mean, yeah. it's kind of that, but Hitchcock is an old creepy guy. Yeah. And it sort <laughs> yeah. of like, it gives them like license to right. do that. Like their gaze is like, it's okay by the film. Exactly. As opposed yeah. to somebody, it's, it, it, as opposed to something like Silence of the Lambs, right? Where you look at some of the gaze, like, because that movie is just about the male gaze, right? And mm -hmm. you look at, like, the use of gaze in that movie, yeah. where it's clearly still depicting those same things, but condemning it. Yeah. Um, and, mm -hmm. like, so much is about, you know, tone and, again, messaging. Uh, so, but in this one, yeah, I think it's pretty clear that. Were they not condemning it here? Because, I mean, it kind of looks bad, and then Jimmy Stewart makes fun of him after that. Uh, yeah, but Jimmy Stewart does the same thing, right? Like he spends, yeah. he spends the whole movie staring at this girl. Like, sure, he spends yeah. as much time with that as he does with the murder. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah, and and you just look at like how Hitchcock is still showing it, right? Like he, Hitchcock is leering at this girl. Like yeah. that's that's my sense. And Grace Kelly. And Grace Kelly. Yeah, yeah. I mean Grace Kelly is you know classier about it, but uh, or his, his depiction of Grace Kelly is classier, but it's still. You know, we know Hitchcock well enough at this point to say, yeah, he's, yeah. he's not talking about a critique of the male gaze. Sure. In this movie, he is the male gaze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the the film, like, kind of implies that, like, and we already kind of spoke about this, but, but that, like, marriage is very burdensome to men. Yeah. And yeah. we see that in a number of different ways. So, like, the murderer, like, kills his nagging wife. Yes. Uh, he has to take care of Jimmy Stewart's career is going to get ruined if he marries the most beautiful woman in the world. Yeah, the most beautiful <laughs> woman in the world. The uh, the like the new young the newlyweds yeah. like starts it, off really well and then like, it becomes burdensome. Like two days later, two days later to yeah. to the oh, guy. she's nagging. That's what they all do. It, yeah, like, yeah. I guess I have to groan out the window and smoke my cigar or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and um, like the army guys like being cheated on by yeah. his. His girlfriend, yeah, um, made to look foolish. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. He almost seems yeah. to have any sympathy for the lonely lady. 
Yeah, well, I think she's shot in a sympathetic way. Like, she does have that, as we pointed out, that super over-the-top scene. It's, like, cartoonishly... Right, but it's still sympathetic, right? Like, I think that we're supposed... Oh, I... He only seems to have sympathy for her. Okay, I misunderstood you. Yes, I agree, he does. Um, yeah, and I guess the the couple that sleeps on the balcony is doing fine, but they're not shown that much. And they're very curiously sleeping um, head to toe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I forgot about that. Wait, so it, they like kind of suggest that it's this asexual relationship or a yeah. bed bedroom or something. I think that's the fifties. And they might yeah, they the couldn't do that because also the the murderer um, when they're looking to yeah. into his house, they specifically say one of the beds like the yeah. luggage is like on one of the beds implying yeah. that they have two beds for a married couple. yeah and they, they refer to like the wife's bedroom i think at one point so yeah that yeah. might just be the Hayes code or something yeah um okay. and the murderer is always sleeping like on the couch he's never like mm-hmm. and same at the end grace kelly's like sleeping on the bed and and jimmy he's, starts in the wheelchair he's a double so this is like cast very like <laughs> 1950s like prudence yep it's been, like i love lucy yeah um but yeah like the overarching theme of the film seems to be that like Marriage is like burdensome to men. Yes. Yeah. Spe- spe- specifically to men. Yeah. Um, and that makes sense for for uh, for uh, Hitchcock to be saying that. Yeah. And both and Stewart is being like nagged by <laughs> using the the term from the film. Yeah. Grace Kelly and the nurse. The nurse is like guilting him that like yeah. why aren't you marrying? Yeah, Grace but they're Kelly? also the ones that yeah. like take care of him and like help him get shit done and like right. actually figure things out. But, but they're also yeah. he also feels like burdened by them, right? Because Grace Kelly is going to like ruin his career. The yeah. nurse comes in and like makes him do things that like he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Um, to like take care of him. Yeah. Like, she also pushes him back toward Grace Kelly's character. Yeah. Or tries to. Yeah, and she kind of, like, kind of mishandles him as he's, like, you, you know, in... Right, being healed. In recovery. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, like, fucked up. The, the <laughs> yes. film, like, takes the stance. Yes, it yeah. is. Um, it's a very, like, dark stance from Hitchcock. But unsurprising. Right. Based on... Yeah. Well, it... it both, both based on like how his other movies depict women mm-hmm. and his own personal relationships with women, because and uh, yeah. Stewart in real life is like a pretty uh, has like pretty conservative politics. Yeah, uh, that does not shock me. Too. Yeah. Um, I mean, because he made plenty of movies with pretty conservative politics. I mean, like Mr. Smith mm-hmm. goes to Washington, uh, Wonderful Life. Yeah, and he, um, you know, was a part of like he fought in World War Two. I yeah. don't know if he fought, but he was like. Involved in World a, War II. A, a lot of actors in that era did, mm-hmm. right? Like that's why it's such a big story with that John Wayne didn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he was like famous before World War II, and then war breaks out, and he famously mm-hmm. like joins the the war effort. Yeah, um, and then comes out of the war with like afterwards, like having these like I don't know what his politics were like before, mm-hmm. but he's very conservative after. And that mm-hmm. makes and, sense. The military yeah. will engender that in some people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I think that you see some of that in the movie. I, I think, think like the same thing happens to like Chuck Heston, right? He's God, yeah, to an even yeah. more extreme degree, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, it's amazing to me. He's still alive, right? Chuck Heston, yeah. Oh no, he died like a decade ago. Who am I thinking? Oh, I'm thinking of Eastwood. I'm sorry, yeah, I'm thinking of <laughs> Eastwood's still alive. No. Eastwood is still alive. <laughs> uh, Heston <laughs> yeah. died like right after like he, Bowling for Columbine, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I was thinking of Clint Eastwood, but um, have you seen Bowling for Columbine? No, that's an interesting artifact, it is, yeah, yeah. Um, Artifact. Yeah, I, I think that it's very much like a moment in time, like most Michael Moore movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it. I think it still has. Re- I haven't seen it since high school, but I think it probably yeah. still has relevant stuff to say. And the scene with Heston is 
still just stunning mm -hmm. filmmaking. But yeah, but yeah. He gets all that on film. Is that wouldn't happen today? I think I there's think. also clips from uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio school shooting movie. Okay, <laughs> from uh, Basketball Diaries. Basketball Diaries. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there it is. In Bowling for Columbine. It keeps coming up. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one's Columbine specifically. So yeah. The, I mean, the the big moment or like the climax of uh, Bowling for Columbine is. He finally, because Chuck Heston is like not the head of the NRA, but like their big spokesperson. Yeah. Um, and he gets him on camera saying that people need guns because there are dangerous minorities. Oh. He uses those words, and it all comes out. Yeah. And uh, just gonna gonna stop dancing around. Here. Right. And like he doesn't realize that that's like Heston doesn't realize that that's something that he shouldn't have said. And like so the interview just continues from that point. And so yeah, it's a hell of a moment. Because um, he's like 90 years old or something? Cause, yeah, he's a million and he's racist as shit. And, yep. Yeah, he's whatever. But uh, yeah, that's that's Bowling for Columbine. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't think that Jimmy Stewart's politics are that, uh, really, really all that far away from this. And I don't think you see it in his films. Yeah. Um, he's still a great actor, though. He's incredible. Yeah, he's really, really good. He's great in Vertigo. He's great in this. I was curious, um, though, because you kept saying that in Vertigo, it wasn't the quote-unquote typical Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. But he seemed to be the same character in this one yeah, it occurred to me that i told you that and then like showed you the only other example of him like <laughs> you showed me the two the, examples yeah, of like insane the same jimmy stewart the atypical jimmy stewart um because i think when most people think of him they think of it's a wonderful life uh -huh. and mr smith goes to washington and there he's very much like he's the, like a uh, fucky yeah, character like just the the like the tom hanks of the era okay right like this good sort guy like a yeah he's so like a depression era like good guy yeah yeah i remember yeah. you mentioning those and i haven't seen those movies i've just right. seen these two and I, i'm just like <laughs> i don't see this at all what is going on yeah I, I i remember saying that and like after i picked this movie i was like okay we're gonna have to see i thought it was funny like, because i thought this. his character is more sympathetic in vertigo despite what his character ends up doing there probably uh because i think he there he at least started out to be like a pretty funny and decent person yeah and he kind of spirals into obsession yeah. as the movie goes along um but here he starts out as just kind of an asshole that goes into and then it becomes the, an obsessed asshole becomes an obsessed asshole <laughs> yeah yes. yeah no i think you're right i think that is i, I think vertical is a better movie than this one like i think this is a great movie i, I like vertical more this is more like a one-act play to yeah. yeah it feels much more stagey right yeah it, it is feels more like theater it is yeah. yeah um so vertical feels more like a cinema um, uh, so that might just be what I'm seeing and liking more in, in Vertigo. It also occurred to me that Jimmy Stewart has like 1920s guy voice, like 1920s like <laughs> radio detective voice. voice. Yeah. but yeah. it's slowed down. Yeah, it's Jimmy Stewart. Like it's almost specific to him. Okay. Like it's no, it's like it's slowed down 1920 uh, 20s guy voice because <laughs> yeah. like the classic 1920s guy voice is like really fast, like yeah. fast talker. Yeah, he's like, hey, 23 skidoo. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and uh, it, uh, Jimmy Stewart's the same, but he just does it really slow. So yeah, like, okay. he's like 23 skidoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his voice would be like if you look at um, like talk shows of the era around then, like uh, Johnny Carson and stuff. Like Jimmy Stewart was. Frequently mimicked um, in mm -hmm. because of his very distinctive way of speaking. <laughs> like it you know, stands out. Yeah, it nobody felt else felt very familiar. Yeah, no one else really sounds like that. Um, There's a really famous um, SNL where Dana Carvey does Jimmy Stewart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there and is. they do the, the like the. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? No, I don't want to. I haven't do seen that any one. Jimmy Stewart besides these two. Um, Which I mean, it's another one of those movies that's like 
important, right? Like, because it, it is also referenced everywhere. It's miserable to watch. So. It's, I don't it's, like it. Yeah, it's awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I don't really want to watch it. And it's like a it's pinnacle of like live action Christmas movies. Yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. The, um, you, you, you understand the premise of it, right? Like, you know what I it's about. I don't think I know that much about it at all, actually. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, whatever. Like, don't worry we're, about we're it. not going to watch It's Wonderful Life. Uh, the climax of the movie. Uh, Jimmy Stewart's been like robbed and then uh-huh. he decides to kill himself and then at the last oh. moment like an angel saves him and shows him what would happen if he would kill himself like what would happen to his family what would happen to the town so it's like a Christmas like Carol sort of deal uh, only yeah. in reverse right yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so the, he's robbed by this kind of like evil business banker guy okay. he has, he has um, a famous name and I'm not going to remember it yeah uh, Mr. Potter sure yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and at the end of the film, the town kind of like comes together and like donates all this money, and he, he decides not to kill himself because the angel like convinces him. He has money to. now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the SNL sketch which we can post on the yeah. page is hilarious because they they get to the end of the movie, they realize who robbed Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> and then all the characters in the film decide to go beat the shit out of the <laughs> bad guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they, they do, and it's really and they, funny. And they yeah. Do. yeah. yeah. Which is funny, because Jimmy Stewart's like the, the Mr. He's the Tom Hanks of the time, yeah. and then to see him like Actually, go beat going the going shit out of this character is really funny. Yeah. Nice. Yes. yeah. Well, that's when we were the, um, every time a bell rings and angel gets its wings that's where that line comes from because the the angel that comes along and helps jimmy stewart like there's a bell that rings on the christmas tree afterwards and like oh that angel's a real angel now and it's like okay yeah like (laughs) like very like heavy-handed like christian like messaging yeah 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 and and mr smith goes to washington is similar in terms of like civic duty and like oh one guy can show up in washington and like save the system and show that democracy it's why everyone misunderstands how the um how the Senate works. Yeah. Too. Right. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot of, cause in that movie you have, to, you have to like stand and keep talking to like hold the floor of the Senate. Right. Which is like not how the Senate operates anymore. Yeah. So yeah, the climax is like this big filibuster and he gives mm-hmm. a speech about how, you know, civic values matter and something. Yeah. Um, there's another Jimmy Sir movie, uh, Harvey, right? That's the other yeah, like, yeah, really famous weird movie. one. Yeah. Where, we might actually should, maybe should watch that one. Yeah, yeah, because that's that one's actually good. That's a bizarre movie. Yeah, um, he, I've not heard of that. He has an imaginary friend. Okay. And or it's real. Yeah, um, a potentially imaginary friend. Yeah. Uh, so the movie's like about that. No, we're not going right. to spoil it because there's like a. Well, we might watch it. So. Okay, okay, okay. There's okay. a thing with the friend. Um, so yeah, Jimmy Stewart's a good actor with a, a robust career. Uh, and we've watched his two darkest roles so far. All right, <laughs> by a pretty well. Yeah, I, I have a completely warped opinion <laughs> or perception in what Jimmy Stewart is. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's, a, he's the way he talks is so distinct that it's hard for it not to be Jimmy Stewart in all these films. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's not a character actor. No, right? Like, because I think if you look at like Thelma Ritter in this movie, like you you see her in uh, in All About Eve or uh, The Misfits or whatever. Um, you know it's her because it's her but she still feels like a distinct character in each of those movies and it's like doing her own thing mm-hmm. whereas Jimmy Stewart's a leading man and when you hire when you cast Jimmy Stewart in your movie you know what you're getting you know like that he is and his persona is kind of going to dominate the movie to a certain degree yeah. um, and I think that you, there are just actors that are like that right and you see mm-hmm. that in the modern sense you certainly saw it even more in the 50s he's like Denzel yeah, in a sense <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah where like Denzel comes in and it's like it's so Denzel yeah yeah. 
Um, I think uh, Judy Dench kind of has that too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think Jimmy Stewart plays well with others in a way that Denzel doesn't always. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I think he can. Because like you see those things with with Thelma Ritter, and he's pulling back. Like he's making space for her mm-hmm. to act and to be a presence on the screen, mm-hmm. um, which is the mark of a mature actor, I think. Yeah. Um, so in, in that sense, it's not. Uh, Exactly the same as what we saw on like Training Day. Yeah, but um, <laughs> or Woody Allen might be a yeah. better comparison. Where like, yes. Woody Allen's like always Woody Allen, and it's like distractingly so. Yeah, well, because yeah. to be Woody Allen means to talk a lot. Yeah, right? like that's what is <laughs> yeah. the character is for him in every movie. Yeah, um, and so it's hard for that character not dominate the screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Grace Kelly's outfits are incredible Stunning. in this movie. Stunning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like each yeah, one amazing. is a work of art. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, well, I mean, yeah. it's in a literal sense because that's what she does for a living. That's true. Yes, she is a fashion person. But it stands out. Like, yeah. Modeled. Yeah. If she looks so film. yeah, she looks so out of context in that little dopey apartment. That Every she time she yeah, walks it's in, like it's like not a like, nice apartment. No. Yeah. There's so many elements too to like each outfit, and yeah. they're all put together amazingly. Yeah, they have all these yeah. pieces and stuff, and like every time she like is like when she's wearing that dress that she first shows up in, and she sits down on his cruddy couch. I was like, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe you don't want to do that. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's white. Yeah, you're gonna. Yeah. something's gonna show up. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I like. I knew more about fashion to like. Yeah, I, I comment on how the dresses are constructed, but I, I don't know that much. Yeah, and, and just on an aesthetic level, like you can just look at it and yeah. it looks amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that is, yeah, just clear. Um, it helps that Grace Kelly is wearing it, but still, yeah. Um, I like at the beginning of this movie, speaking of his apartment, that we we get this like tour of his apartment, and it, it, yeah, I was it, thinking about that. We get a lot of information from that, right? Because we see the picture that he takes when he was injured, right? Because well, you see the broken camera first. You see the yeah, you see the broken camera. You see the picture he took that. Got him, got him injured. You see the negative of Grace Kelly, and then you see here on the magazine, you see that it is it's Life magazine, but they don't actually use the logo. Sure. Um, and you see like that he's traveling over the world because they have all these pictures from all over. Like they, in a in a short amount of time, they give you a lot of information. And right before that, we get the tour of the courtyard, and we get like the basic introduction to who all these people are that are living across from him. Mm-hmm. It's, it, 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 that's really efficient filmmaking. That that's yeah. really well done. I, I like it's that something that I explicitly noticed just watching it the first time. Yeah. I often get that like this is like good filmmaking at right. work kind of <laughs> yeah. indication that loudly, but here it was there. Right, right. That's just these are things that you need to know, and they are all they all color the movie. And they Although all the I have no idea how he survived these crashing race cars heading straight at him. I, you don't get out of that with a broken leg. No, they, they, yeah, that part doesn't make sense. Yeah, you, <laughs> but, you get you get dismembered. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know he's a superhero or something. Yeah, I think Wes Anderson steals a lot from that. In okay, the, yeah. Maybe more of a cartoonish way, but Wes yeah. Anderson like communicates a lot just through setting and showing objects and like yeah. Well, and people make fun way. of him because of the like kind of like old timey technology, yeah. like the seventies, eighties technology that mm-hmm. he shows. But like he communicates a lot, um, like in Royal Tenenbaums, yeah. sure. when he's like just moving through all the family photos in yeah. the hall, and like the the boar's head is like a really important moment to the film. Yeah, yeah, like the. The, like the games closet that they like have all the conversations in. Yeah, he's like saying so much about the family and like how the family interacts just mm-hmm. through like these objects that he's like very per- like conspicuously laying out. Right. Yeah. yeah. Spaces become very important, mm-hmm. and this movie's the same way in that like we're we're not just observing people; we're observing people in their spaces and in their private space. Mm-hmm. So it's important for those those spaces to be to reflect their character yeah you get like a sense of time and style Mm -hmm. 
Wes Anderson does this a lot in Life Aquatic, where it's like yeah. always like vaguely Mediterranean. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and damp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always like water dripping or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you see that, like the guy with the the musician, you know, he has the, his apartment is just dominated by a piano, right? Yeah. And you have the. Um, the ballerina who like has all this open space so that she can dance around all the time and mm -hmm. like it's kind of in a dingier spot you know you have uh, like the, like the dog with the basket going up and down on the, on the balcony yeah right? such a great detail right thing. like just yeah. all of these little things that tell you quickly something about each of these people right and um that, that it, it can do it without that much dialogue like this is a dialogue light movie, especially for the fifties, especially for Hitchcock. Um, we have long stretches where nobody's talking, um, but he's still com communicating a lot of information to us just by image, show by having us watch. Yeah, like things. when the murderer is opening the purse and he's like taking out like each yep, object. Yeah, it's, like, it's shown so. Yeah, well. look at this. Look at this. Look yeah. at this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and same thing with the, the various interactions with people, like when he's futzing around with the flowers and the lady next to him is trying to tell him something, like there is dialogue there, but you don't need it, right? Like you, yeah. you, you, the interaction is clear just based on body language and, and actions. Um, so yeah, just great filmmaking, great functional filmmaking uh, uh, throughout. He's a master. He is a master. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, so uh, any, uh, any parting thoughts that we haven't, we haven't touched on? Regarding, um, um, well, as an art window. nerd, I feel like I can't let this go without commenting on how much this reminded me of Hopper's paintings. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen like Nighthawks sure. or some of his other works. Nighthawk, yeah. Um, but Hopper has a lot of paintings that are of urban America, but usually they're looking through a single window in a building and at the people who are inside that apartment. Um, so that must have had some sort of influence on this movie because a lot of them are exactly like what you see here. Like sometimes it's like a corner, like big window apartment. Mm -hmm. You look in, you see someone who's just alone in an office or something right. like that, right? And I love these paintings because, you know, it's a great depiction of like American urban life. You always wonder what's going on with this person who is alone in their bedroom and like just staring out into space or whatever. You wonder, yeah. you know, what they're thinking about at that moment, what's going on in their lives and all that. It's the same with... You know, looking at his neighbor's apartments and all that and seeing what's going on with these characters. It's the same sort of deal. Um, but at the same time, you get the feeling of voyeurism that is depicted in this movie as well. There's a bit of that, like, separation of people where even though you're stuck in this very dense urban environment, you're close to these other people geographically. You feel far away from them because they're on the other side of that window. Sure. And since there's so many people, there's kind of an anonymizing effect to the city as well. So there's that kind of irony of distance with people that are very close to you. Um, and yeah, so all these themes in Hopper's paintings, which I love so much, were reflected in this movie. And that's one thing that let me latch onto it so quickly, mm -hmm. I guess, because it reminded me of these paintings that I like so much. Yeah, that, uh, that's really, uh, that I had not put that together, but I think it's really clear now that you lay it out. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, it, it's really because Hopper has like this isolating effect to his movies, right? That, that, that you touched on, that like... Hitchcock? I'm sorry, to his paintings. <laughs> I mean, he has this, <laughs> this isolating effect where like, yeah. you have these people that, like you pointed out, that are alone. Yeah. Um, and which, and, and like movie viewing in a theater has this like similar effect of being very close to people, but also very right. solitary at the same time, right? Because you're, you're in, supposed to be quiet. Right, you're supposed to be quiet. You, you look straight ahead, don't talk to anybody, yeah. and, and, and be quiet. Uh, so 
but you do this in this room with all these people having this single communal experience, mm-hmm. you know, all at once that you're also experiencing as a very solitary person. Um, and I think that urban life kind of reflects that in a similar way, right? Like that you get on the subway every day with, you know, 4 million people that yeah. you are going, <laughs> that you're going, you know, to and from work and passing thousands or hundreds of people on the sidewalk every day and knowing nothing about them. And they almost might as well not life. be there, except right. that they, you know, make right. walking down the sidewalk a little more difficult. Right. And, and I mean, and that's kind of what you end up with in these paintings, right? It's that yeah. it, they might as well not be there and he's literally removing them. Yeah. Right. Bradbury talks about that a lot in Fahrenheit 451. Sure. Like he like the characters that Montag like interacts with like just turn into like rain eventually, and okay. so to him it's all just like they're kind of just like raindrops like passing in and out of your life. Yeah. Well, and Very, he, it's like the most poetic part of the book. Yeah. yeah. And for Bradbury, that book was about television, not yes. censorship, um, and. It, it, the, isolate, the isolating effect of television is, is even more pronounced, right? Yeah. Like DFW would talk about this a lot too. Um, the, that that television is this thing that is okay, can be and has the potential to be so indulgent mm-hmm. and so you know self serving because mm-hmm. um, you don't even have to leave your home for that. Yeah. So yeah, I think that, that those themes are at play here too because we see these people in their little boxes. Right? Yeah. yeah. And there was another, um, when, we, when we were talking about the commentary on marriage, I forgot to mention this one point, which I thought was kind of funny, but the nurse mentions at one point that people these days are like being too um, intellectual about relationships, sure. something like yeah. that, where they're, they don't operate on emotions and feeling anymore. They try to think it out and like yeah. balance out the statistical reasoning behind whether they should marry this person or yeah. not. And I feel like that's still a discussion that we see so much these days where like, you know, they're talking about how in the good old days, you know, you would meet the girl next door and just marry her and live when, out the rest of your life with her. Yeah, Whereas 18. nowadays, everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, I don't know if I can find the best possible person. And, you know, people are getting more and more educated, so they're more career focused and they get married later and all mm-hmm. that. And it's funny that, you know, it's been, you know, 60 years now. Right. And, and the this same is still the same. Yeah. Yeah. The same discussion. Yeah. And, and yet we persist and right. people continue to get married. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, no, I think that's a good, that is a valid point, um, and, and relevant to the movie, certainly. All right, um, what do, uh, do, who would you recommend this movie to? I think that has been our closing question in the past that we've missed out on a lot, the last few episodes. Huh. I don't know if this is a specific group that I would recommend it to. Okay. I mean, okay, I can think of certain people I wouldn't recommend it to, but I feel <laughs> like in general, if people are into um, film... Well, I guess they've probably already seen this one, but yep. it seems like a great recommendation. Yeah, it's just part of the canon, right? Yeah. That's just something you need to have seen. And yeah, I think that it's worth watching multiple times. So if you have one, watched it already, um, go ahead and watch it again. But Yeah, it holds yeah. up real well. It holds up real well. Yep. Yep. Still suspenseful. Still light, so watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what do we got coming up next week? Uh, so we haven't seen an animated film yet, and we have a chance to see Akira in a theater. Yeah. So we're going to take advantage of that. I think yeah. that's technically my choice because I yeah, this is a saw Charles. the Alamo Draft House tweet and yeah, leapt on it. We can call this a, a team selection. Sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Charles. Uh, yeah. Charles chose this. And yeah, okay. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Because yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah. Like I think this movie's going to fuck you up. <laughs> I have no idea honest. what to expect besides <laughs> that you keep saying that. I yeah. see a reference a lot. I see. And you it must looks have seen awesome. the gifts. Like there's tons of gifts. I've seen a few. Movie. Yeah, I've seen a few. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, it's subtitled, right? The what we're watching. Yeah, I believe so. I, okay. I think I it's a okay. Version. Well, the one I've only seen it uh, with English VO. 
So, oh really? Okay. Yeah. So it'll be we're getting the authentic experience. Or yeah, a real Japanese film now. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure that that and it adds to it, but oh, hardcore okay. people. We can have that conversation then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, join us next week for Akira. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help us reach a larger audience by rating and reviewing it on iTunes. It only takes a minute and makes a big difference. Thanks, and enjoy the episode.